Good morning. It's fantastic to see you people. So typically, when there are five Sundays in a month, I get to preach on the fifth Sunday. Typically, the four Sundays preceding that, we do some crazy, powerful, moving series. They're like, hey, you got the fifth one, by the way. Appreciate that. Our scripture for today is, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. You know, uh, these past four weeks, have it really was a, a fantastic, it was an awesome uh, series we went through where we got to hear from a lot of people in the church about their story. And, you know, I, I've made the joke before where, like, I don't have, like, this really super powerful testimony like I have like veggie tales level testimony is what I called it like it's not you know I wasn't you know freed from drug addiction or anything serious you know I really pretty much behaved for most of my life didn't do great in school but that was you know just kind of how I am uh, but uh, you know and I think a lot of people can sometimes forget uh, or feel like we can't relate to the level of stuff where it's like well you know I really don't have a cool story I'm just kind of me, or maybe we're in the midst of a cool story, we're on a different side of it, or whatever it might be, that we've seemed to uh, kind of feel like we got forgotten in the whole process. I read a C.S. Lewis quote this week, and it, it's deep, but it got me thinking. It says, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe, and therefore no creatures with eyes, we would never know it was dark. You know, there's a lot of people that if you listen to online, and, I, and I, I'm a podcast junkie. I love watching, whether it's on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify, like I, I, I listen to a lot of people. And I know if you sit at a desk at any point during the day, whether you're supposed to or not, you're doing the same thing I am. There's something on in the background. I hear a lot of these scientists that are, you know, popular in the media just – that are secular scientists, atheist scientists, that's, you know, they're like, well, what's it all mean? And they're like, well, we're just meant to kind of be here and stuff. And these men that have spent their entire life dedicated to understanding the ins and outs of the universe are like, well, why? And they're like, well, I don't know. They have $150,000 educations that can tell you the breakdown of every chemical on the periodic table. And they're like, but why? And they're like, well, you know, I thought it. Give me some girls being a scientist, you know, I don't know. But the problem is, so often in our lives, even as believers, we feel as if we lack meaning. We feel as if we lack purpose. We lack a, a reason to be here. It's like, well, why are you here? Well, I'm here to serve God. And that's as far as we go. You know, we don't, we don't feel like we're not made out to have a grand testimony or a grand purpose or you know, be healed from some insane, you know, sickness or whatever it might be. Or, you know, we behaved and done okay financially and never got sick. And it's like, you know, is God really going to use me? Because I don't have a real powerful testimony to share with anybody. You know, this, this, this picture behind me where it says the meaning of all behind it, that is Jupiter. Yeah, bet you didn't know that. And I saw this picture run across one of those Facebook clickbait things. Um, 
but it's talking about how those are hurricanes on Jupiter. And we're taking pictures of them. And that's cool. But why? Why are our tax dollars going to the NASA? And they're like, well, we took some cool pictures of Jupiter. And uh, granted, that that's a cool picture of Jupiter. I'll give them that. That picture costs like $3 billion, but it's a cool picture. But what what's crazy to me is the same people that took that picture that say that there's no, there's no, you know, this whole universe just happened. This whole universe uh, doesn't really have a meaning. It's just kind of there. Spend an awful lot of time taking pictures and looking for stuff. If there's no meaning to this universe, if there's no reason why it's here, why do we keep sending out giant telescopes and cameras to, so we can further explore it? Why do we crave knowing more about creation around us? Why are we out searching? You know, even if it's the crazy people that are like, there's aliens out there, you know, and there might be, but like, wh why are we looking for them? Because you were designed to crave to know more about the creation around you. We like cool facts. I've talked about this before. Everybody likes knowing cool facts. Everybody in here has useless random facts you know that serves no purpose, but it's just fun to know, okay? Some people more than others. But what does this have to do with the meaning of all? And, and my dad asked me, he's like, are you talking about the meaning of everything or are you talking about the meaning of the word all? <laughs> I was like, appreciate that, father and mentor. <laughs> but what does this have to do with the meaning of, of the universe, the meaning of everything, the meaning of us? All right, th throw the first picture on the screen. All right. So this is is literally a star nursery. These are where stars are born. And it's cool. Uh, NASA calls this, and you don't have to remember this, this is HH34. See, NASA just assigns numbers and letters in a category to everything they find. Now, some people nickname them different things. Like, you know, we have things like the North Star or Orion's Belt. But they all have technical NASA-related names that are given to them. Uh, but this is, this is 1,250 light years away from us right now. And uh, a light year... If you're wondering, it's 5.88 trillion miles, and you thought your commute to work was far. So it's 1,250 times 5.88 trillion miles away. But go outside tonight, if it's clear, and you can see this from your driveway. But it just looks like a white dot. Because that's what every star pretty much looks like, is a white dot. Unless it's the sun, which you don't need to stare at that, but it's a very large dot. Um, Colossians 1.16 says, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. What I thought was cool about the scriptures, it says both the visible and and the invisible. Because you see, I, 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 you know, as a kid, when, when you're taught about heaven, you know, you think it's just like just north of the clouds. Like it's literally like it's just because that's what the cartoons portray heaven as. Like it's just, it's just right there and we, we're amongst all the, this stuff. 
And I still like to hang on to a little bit of that. You know, maybe one day we'll get to go, like, hang out here, you know, have coffee, buy a star nursery. Like, I don't think that's too far of a reach. If you don't like it, prove me wrong. Um, but from our view, we just see a little twinkle in the sky. But in reality, what's going on is something grand and huge and moving. I mean, like, literally each that whole thing is, like, half the size of our solar system. So how many times in our lives does God have this grand view from heaven of something massive and beautiful and amazing going on in our lives as a background story, but to us, we may only see a tiny little twinkle of hope in the distance. How many times have we sat there and gone, God, I need help, I need help. There's like this much of a chance. And he says, your tiny dot of a chance looks like this from my end. Because God can see 5.88 trillion times 1,250 miles away. I can't see my computer screen at work. <laughs> but as cool as this is, we're going to go a little bit further out, okay? All right? So this, that, I'm, I'm like this close to making this my wallpaper on my computer. Like, that's a cool picture. And I love the name of this one. NGC 3631. That's its name. But it's nicknamed, and this one, this one will mess with me. This is nicknamed the Grand Design Spiral. It's located 53 million light years away from us. We can't see that one. 50, so 53 million times. 5.88 trillion is how far this thing is away from us. And you see, see, there's this bright, this bright middle of it, right? And that's, that's, that's called the nucleus if you paid attention in school. I had to Google it because I didn't. All right. And then, but you see all this blue, all this blue that's happening around it. All right. So the arms of this, this spiral, the blue that's waving around it um, is literally uh, it's a star-forming region is what they call it. And millions and millions of stars are being born and slung out across the galaxy from this. Okay? And what, what's, what's crazy to me is if you look up how a star is born, and I'm not going to bore you with that because that was a very long YouTube video, but something has to die for a new star to be born. Something collapses, and then something else expands, and boom, we get a star. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17 says, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolute incomparable eternal weight of glory. You know, it's, it's, it's the scale of this that really makes me wonder, like, God created this massive galaxy that's just spewing stars all over the galaxy. And to this day, we're still seeing new stars be born, new galaxies, and all these amazing things happen. And God never breathed a breath into any of them. He spoke a word and said, y'all go out there. But the only one he gave breath to was you and I. Yeah. 
So if he's making a grand scale of this, of breathing new life into the universe, how much more then are we able to have new life breathed into us? At no point in our story do we lose meaning. At no point in our walk of life do we get to a point where God is done with us. Because if he's still making stars in the galaxy that we can't even see, I promise he'll do something new in you. Next one up. This one, this one's pretty cool. It doesn't look cool, but it is. So this bubble is an entire galaxy. Just a bubble. We named this one, well, we, I say we like I'm on the NASA board. <laughs> this one is NGC 474. I hope y'all are writing these down. <laughs> NGC 474. This one is 100 million light years away. So this one's twice as far away as the other one. But here's what's so crazy. It says, this is a, this is a big, big galaxy, okay? This is two and a half times as big as our Milky Way galaxy. All right? So it's our neighborhood, the Milky Way galaxy. It, this is twice as big. All right? Here's what I want to show you. So the Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years across. All right? Pretty big, you know? So 100,000 times 5.88 trillion across. Anybody got the math real quick? <laughs> I got you. That's 5.88 quintillion. So that's the numbers. If you want to, I would encourage you to write this out to give you the scale of how big this gal, our galaxy, this is our, this is where we live. So it's 588 followed by, let's see, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 zeros in miles across. This is two and a half times bigger than this. That's big. All right? It is 1, 1.47 septillion million miles across. If you're wondering, that is one four seven zero followed by three six nine twelve fifteen zeros. That's like the next Powerball. <laughs> For perspective, if you take the average person a year, and I promise I'm going somewhere. There's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of math, and I don't like math, but I promise we're going to get somewhere here. The average person drives 14,263 miles a year, okay? If you multiply that times the amount of people on the planet, whether they're newborn or 200 and don't need to be driving, we get to literally seven one hundred thousandths of a percent that distance. So the distance the entire planet moves in a year does not even get us, uh, not even close to a percent of how big this is. This is massive, it's, hu it's huge, as you might say. All right? And it gets, it gets even bigger because this next picture does, does, does it all. All right? That right there is 10,000 galaxies the exact same size as what we just looked at. 10,000 galaxies. Each one bigger than our own. 
further away, it just looks like little, little blue and orange and white spots throughout the night sky. This is called the deep field photo. It's, it's taken by the Hubble telescope. In Psalms, it says, he hung every star in the night and knows them by name. Our billion-dollar government industry can only give them a number. But we serve a creator who not only hung them in the sky and made them so much incredibly bigger than us that he gave him or gave each and every one of them a name. So let me ask you this. Why will we listen to a government or another person that is only capable of giving us a number, giving us a small, to you or to you to somebody else may just be, listen, he's the manager, he's the employee, he's whatever. The world may call you addicted. The world may call you broke. The world may call you just ruined, useless, whatever it may call you. There's a lot of things the world can call us to make us feel like we have no meaning or no purpose in this world. But we were given breath by the God that hung billions of galaxies in the sky. We were given life and meaning by God who took the time to orchestrate all this grand universe, but only took time to breathe breath into us. So next time we start to feel like maybe we're lacking a story, maybe we're lacking a meaning, and maybe we're lacking a purpose, there's an industry dedicated to finding out about things that God cared less about than you. It says in the Bible, in the book of Amos, it says, the one who made Palladius and Orion, those are constellations, the one who turned the darkness into dawn and darkens the day and night, who summons the waters of the sea and pours out the uh, pours them out over the face of the earth. Yahweh is his name. This didn't just happen. If it did just happen, there wouldn't be meaning. Coincidence is just cuz. There was no coincidence in this room. There's never been a coincidence in this room. Because it was on purpose that you were here, that you were put in this place today, that you were put on this earth, that you were put wherever you are, there's a reason for that. Isaiah said that, look up and see who created this. He brings the starry host out by number. He calls them all name by name. Because of his great power and strength, not one of them is missing. And so if he's not missing a star, I promise he's not missing a child. We go on and on and on about purpose and plans and destinies. And it seems like when we're younger and when you're going into, you know, your high school going into college, you just have this huge just roadmap. And you're like, what college am I going to go to? And what, what career am I going to take? And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, like 10 years down the road, you're like, man, I was stupid in high school. And it's funny, but like we, we look back and 10 years before and we're like, we always say hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, I, I remember I went to, I was looking for college. And at first, if you ask me in high school, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm like, a rock star, clearly. <laughs> um, 
And when that didn't work out, and my dad was like, okay, you got to go to college. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to uh, Lee University. Maybe I can get a full ride. And they're like, we've never given a full ride to somebody with a 2.2. <laughs> so that, that didn't pan out. And so I went to Georgia Gwinnett College. And I remember I was, and this is, if you go to Georgia Gwinnett, I have nothing against Georgia Gwinnett College. Okay, I went there for two years. And I would be like, it's Georgia Gwinnett, but it's technically a part of UGA. Technically. And they're like, yeah, you can't get into UGA, homie. You're going to Georgia Gwinnett. And I told my dad, I was like, so I went to the, the orientation at college. And I was like, I got these big plans. And so I listened to, you know, all these deans and professors pitch the different degree plans. And one of them was like, there's the finance program where you get into learning how to crunch numbers and be a banker. And you can make, you know, 500 to 1,000 to a $1 million dollars a year doing this. And you can do, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I was like, all right, dad, I'm going to be a finance major. And he went. Okay. <laughs> Knock yourself out, son. And then I started taking classes. Math classes. I wasn't good at math classes. And more and more I, I tried and tried and I was like, this maybe isn't going to work out so well. <laughs> and I, I remember I got to this breaking point because and I, I wish, I wish I was making this part up. I could college math three times and failed it all three times. Back to back to back. I, I did that. And at about midway through the third time, I was like, I might need to change what I got going on here. <laughs> and I, and everybody, has anybody ever heard of a sophomore slump? where you kind of get to this, like, it is like an existential crisis in college, and everybody has one when you're like, it's usually, they call it sophomore slump because it's right around the time you wrap up your core classes and you have to really decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life, and they just, you just either quit or just figure it out, and I was kind of in that phase, except I wasn't quite a sophomore because I kept failing classes. <laughs> um, and I got to a point where I, I had a job, and I was doing okay at my job, and I was like, 19 at this point, and I was, I was sitting in a class that it was one of the few classes I was doing good in. It was geography, and I, I was like, I am so 110% done with this. Like I have literally failed three times in a row, and it's like, and it's not because I had like a terrible work ethic, um, in college because I I tried in college a lot harder than I did in high school and. I just remember I was at a point I was like, this is not working, and I, I genuinely hate this college. Like, I do not enjoy being here at all. And so I was like, i got to figure something. Like I, 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 and so I started looking, and I was like, maybe I can go back and try to go to music school because, you know, uh, I worked that out. And so I came to a, a crossing point in the road where I was applying at a manual college school of music or going to join the Navy. And so I, uh, I didn't join the Navy. But uh, I remember I got to music school, and I was like, it felt like every answered prayer had just come down. And I was like, Lord, this is clearly, I've gone through this trial of math to a degree that I don't need a math class. It just, surely your hand is, I just remember just calling my dad being so excited. And I go to orientation, and they're like, great, so we're going to, we're going to, 
we're going to quiz you on, on your musical ability. And I was like, great. And they're like, you have two portions. You have a performance portion. I was like, okay. And they're like, and a written portion. And I was like, okay. Because I don't know, I, I can't read music at all, at all, at all. And I, I go through the performance for stage one, and, like, I aced it, okay? Did a couple of different instruments. I do vocal stuff, aced it, did fantastic. And I'm like, I got this. I go to take my, my written test, and it was seven pages. I was done in two and a half minutes. <laughs> I knew three things, one of which said name. I scored, out of 100 points, a 7. A 7. And I, so, and, I, and of course, me, 20-year-old me, and some of y'all knew me when I was 20, and it was pretty much how I am now. And I, I, I walk up to the professor, and I was like, is that going to be a problem? <laughs> is it on a curve, like... I know it was a seven, but can it be like a seven plus? I don't know. And he said, he looks at me with this, and he was like 170 years old and had glasses that were like this big, and I never saw him smile, never. And he sat there, and like his desk literally was like here, and there was a piano behind his desk. Like that's just what he did. He played the piano and scolded college students. That's what he did. And he said, do you think you're the first pastor's kid from a Pentecostal church to show up that it was incredibly talented but had absolutely zero knowledge about the music you were playing? You're not special. I was, like, I was like, my mom said I was special. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I was like, all right, cool. He says, we have a simple plan. And I was actually talking to my dad about the other day. He's like, we have a simple plan. I was like, yeah, see, even though I don't know anything, I'm still going to be able to go through and have my music degree. This is fantastic. Lord, your hand is surely upon me. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in remedial music theory, music theory one, and music theory two at the same time. I was like, that, that, don't, that don't sound right. <laughs> he says, and uh, you're only going to be in six credit hours worth of class, but you're or excuse me, you're going to be in 15 credit hours worth of class, but you're only going to get credit for about six of them because of how many remedial classes. And then you're going to have to come to all the help classes after school to make sure that we're catching you up right. He's like, so I'm going to have to be here sun up to sundown and get credit for like six hours. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, this doesn't sound like a good time. <laughs> and I just happened to be in this one of the music classes, and this was like the third day. I'm sitting there in this music class. And I'm like scratching my head, and because like most of the, and like if you were a band person, like more power to you. But like 90% of the people were like band people from school, and I wasn't, and I didn't didn't fit in to that crowd. Um, and there's a guy who was sitting next to me. He kind of had the same look as I did, and he's like, "How are you liking it so far?" I was like, "I'm so over my head right now. I have no idea what I'm gonna do." He says. All right. I said, well, I mean, you know, you, you know, he was, he was serving as like a part-time music pastor. And I was like, so tell me, like, I mean, can you, can you help me with this? Cause I have no idea. He's like, yeah, that's why I didn't do the, you know, I'm just in this class and one more. I'm, I'm, I'm in the pastoral world ministries program. I'm just doing a minor in music. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, what, what are you doing? I was like, I'm doing a major in music education. He said, what, what class have you taken? I showed him, he's like, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> he's like, that's going to kill you quickly. Not even slowly, like you're just going to die. 
He's like, there's no way. He's like, that's crazy. And he says, come, come do the pastoral ministries thing. I was like, all right, I'll, 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 I'll talk to some people about that. You know, I can dig it. And I remember I walked into the pastoral ministries building, and it was like this 150-year-old building. And I walked in, and like the smell hit me of like old books and like, you know, a lot of white rain and, you know, pastoral cologne. It just smelled like an old church. And I was like, I can dig this now. This is, this is feeling good. And I, I started talking to the people that were in the ministry program, and like it felt so right. And so I switched my major three days after I announced it. So that would be the fourth time, third time I switched my major, if you're counting. But now I, I ended up going back and going to Lee University, doing kind of the same thing my dad did. And uh, I ended up finding my way through the weeds. And yes, I did eventually pass math. It was math like on a 10th grade level because that's all I needed. And I still got a C. It was word problem solving. Yeah, but listen, it's funny to talk about that story and how it went through, but at the end of the day, most people that went through college have a similar story to that. It doesn't seem that big a deal that like, yeah, you went through college, you had a crisis, you couldn't figure it out. Um, good job. You know, some people, you know, my dad's like, it took me 50 years to complete my degree. I don't, I don't want to hear you complain. But let me tell you something. That story might not mean a lot to some people who went through a doctoral program or a master's program or went through and knew exactly what they did or did something like really hard in college, but it means a lot to me because I remember sitting in that class, that geography class going, Lord, if you don't intervene, I'm going to join the Navy. <laughs> Being, you know, just miserable and not knowing what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And as a 20-year-old now, there's a lot of pressure on you to figure that out pretty quickly. And this was almost 10 years ago. But I just remember this, like, you know, you're getting emails all the time from, from people that are, you know, trying to convince you to go to this class or go to that class. And it's like this overwhelming pressure that you're felt by the rest of the world to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life because that's the title you're going to wear. That's what everybody will refer to you as. You're going to be, you know, Mikey the whatever guy. He's the, he does this. We're, we're marched out and by popular culture and want to get be stamped a label on her forehead and that's who we are and what we do you know we want to be told that your job your income your house your whatever defines who you are but you know I got like a half an acre and I serve a God who made 10,000 galaxies that are 1.4, excuse me, 1470000000000000000 miles across. So I don't care how big your yard is, I care about how big my God is. And, and I, I want to teach you a dangerous prayer this morning. It's by Charles Spurgeon, who I, I, I love Charles Spurgeon, like, a lot. Um, to the point, like, my birthday was this past week, and my birthday present to myself, I found a biography from Char or for Charles Spurgeon that was written and published in 1892. So I have a 130-year-old book about Charles Spurgeon. 
and it's like proudly displayed like in my office. And people are like, why do you, why do you have this? I'm like, because it's so cool. <laughs> but this is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, thou hast put me in this world for something, Lord. Show me what that is and help me to work out my life purpose. Can we, all, can we agree we've all prayed that prayer at some point in time? Lord, you put me on this world for something. Please show me what that is. I can't figure this out quite yet. And he said, I cannot do much, but as the widow put her two pence, which was all her living, so I cast my time and eternity into your treasury. I am all yours. Take me and enable me to glorify you now in all that I am and all that I do with all that I have. He said, I don't have much, but all my time, all my eternity, all my treasure, all my gifts, all my talents, all that I do, all that I am, God, is yours. Because if you belong to the God that made this giant universe, suddenly what somebody who, you know, think they're cool because they manage the Dairy Queen, thinks about you doesn't matter. Suddenly the guy on the street who is trying to convince you that in order to be cool, you got to drive this car, you got to have this house, you got to do this, you need to be married by the time you're 25, have two kids and a 401k. Suddenly all that ma doesn't matter anymore when you're like, sorry, I don't belong to you. I don't even belong to me. I belong to the God that hung every star in the sky, the God that created a universe bigger than all the money on this planet can discover. I serve a God that named each and every star. I serve a God that designed things that literally no one's, no one's ever gone out into NASA space area, whatever that's called, and, and looked and be like, man, it is ugly out here. Every picture I showed you, even if it didn't look like anything, it was beautiful. And he used that as the canvas to paint your story on. So I want to pray, and I, I, want, I want us all to kind of take a step back and, like, think of where we're at in our story. Maybe we're on the other side of the story. Maybe we're on the back side of it. Maybe we don't have a story. Maybe we're still figuring out what our story is. And if you want to help with that, go to Growth Trek. It's the best class ever. But Father God, be with us. Lord, help us to have our eyes open. Help us to have our ears open. Help us to focus on you because you made us who we are. Help each and every one of us realize our identity is found in you and through you. Help each and every one of us realize that you created us for something. That you gave us all a grand design in our own hearts. You made each and every one of us unique. Lord, let us serve you with all that we are, with all that we have, and with our eternity. Bless us and keep us as we go forward and help us to always remember why we do what we do. Amen. Y'all have a fantastic week. Come tonight. There will be lots of food. Six o'clock? Six o'clock. Be here. <laughs>